Hello, good evening and welcome to another episode of Straight Talking English. My name is Catherine, I'm a qualified teacher and I'm here to guide you through the anthology poets, both the love and relationships and power and conflict in my own way, taking absolutely nothing seriously. Unlike the author of our first poem today, the author of Neutral Tones, who is Thomas Hardy, who, let's face it, is basically the mopiest, most miserable item anyone can think of. So born in 1840, only about three years after Queen Victoria came to the throne, he is therefore by definition a Victorian poet, but it can be argued that some of his work is almost romantic with a big R in nature. That was an unintentional pun by the way, I meant it had parts of romanticism in rather than it being about nature. He moved to London when he was about 18 to study to be an architect and he was actually quite a good architect. But while he was in London studying at UCL, he became very sad because he had a sense of social inferiority. All the fancy pants people living in central London were looking down on him. Or so he thought for being a country bumpkin, for being a West Country boy. This is only part of a long long list of things that made him mopey and sad. Oh my gosh, it's it's a long list. It's like asking a teenage boy what they hate and then you get just get a page of ramble. He hated industrialisation because it changed the way of life that he remembered fondly from Dorset. He hated the fact the British Empire was expanding because he was very, very much against the British Empire. Okay, I'll give him that one because it is generally considered bad. But it's just another thing that caused his endless sadness and hatred. He was very afraid of change, very afraid of anything changing. He wanted the world to be static. But the number one thing that really, really made him sad was the breakup of his first marriage. All right, again, I will give him that because that is a sad thing, having a breakup. He met his wife down in Dorset. They had kind of an on-off, on-off marriage where they would be happy for a bit, then they'd fight break up and in the end she left him though I don't know if they got formally divorced but they definitely split up towards the end of his life in about 1910 1912 she died and he absolutely never ever ever got over that this sense of regret and disappointment carried him through the rest of his life which actually is a bit of a kicker because he married again to his secretary who was 40 years younger than him, you dirty dog. And I don't know how she put up with him moping about his first wife. Other things that made him rage were the social constraints of life in the Victorian era. So kind of a Jekyll and Hyde vibe. He hated the rules of society and the conventions and you can only do one thing. He wanted to be unconventional and the three words that really sum him up are suffering, sadness and being unconventional, which I'm aware that's five words, but it's three ideas. He was not raised to be especially religious. He questioned whether God did exist, but he had a belief in some kind of higher power. So we could say he's quite like a spiritual person, but again, another writer who's not really subscribed 
subscribing to the idea of organised religion, mostly because it's a set of rules that he does not like. He actually lived a blooming long time. He died in 1928 at the age of 88. So he had a good output. Thomas Hardy was mostly famous for being a novelist rather than a poet, including um, one of the most depressing books I've ever read, Tess of the Durbervilles, in which nothing goes right for this girl ever and then she gets arrested in the middle of Stonehenge. It's just it's just unending misery. Um there is a TV adaptation, you know, if you're just feeling too happy and you want that to change. So let's have a let's have a talk through this. Let's have a talk through. We've got four stanzas and we have one rhyme in the middle. So it's A B B A A B B A. Well, kind of, I mean, rove and love. Um, but it might, it might rhyme if you have a West Country accent. I'm not quite sure. Things, one person is split into two. One person is together. One rhyme is together. The other is split into two. Symbolism. The first stanza is mostly used to establish the tone and atmosphere. If you have a look at the words, we don't have any major plosives. Plosives, I mean sounds like but, puh, tuh, where you have to move your lips outward when you say them. Everything is very tranquil, very calm. We stood by a pond that winter day and the sun was white as though children of God. The neutral tones is almost referring to the tone of the poem, remembering things with neutrality. Line two, pretty much all monosyllabic and the sun was white as though. It's again really neutral, really basic. Think of the sun as white. Well normally we'd say it was yellow or if you were a kid drawing it with crayons you'd say it was yellow. Yellow is fun, happy, uplifting. White, faded, death, purity. I mean we're not sure but it's definitely not happy. The L, the leaves lay. It's kind of lazy, it's not satisfying, it's just this kind of wimpy look, look. almost like something's drooping over. Clearly creating a sense of a pathetic fallacy to establish this tone. And let's bring attention to the starving sod. Got our sibilance giving us a sensory impression of something whooshing. But think about the starving. So a sod is a bit of mud. So if you're digging with a shovel, the bit of mud that's on the shovel once you've dug the hole is a sod. The fact that the very earth is starving, something that was once alive and is now about to die, dot dot dot, could represent the dying relationship. It comes in again with the few leaves. It's the end of an era. It's a life ending, but it's kind of ironic because life is going on. It's just the relationship that's ending. Your eyes were on me as eyes that rove over tedious riddles solved years ago, and some words played between us to and fro, on which lost the more by our love. Your eyes were as eyes. Okay. It's almost tired. It's repeating this sort of malaise, this laziness. Kind of like the love is laying down to die. It, ugh, 
It's harsh, but I like it. The tedious riddles. Tedious, it's boring, it's dull. He doesn't even want to do it. But it's an oxymoron, because riddles are, they're fun. They're something you want to solve, but his are just boring. Like, I want to solve it, but I'm bored doing it. It's infuriating. It's unresolved as well, and it's been going on for so long. Years and years and years ago. I'll stop at this point and question the reasoning behind setting love poems, romantic love poems, for 16-year-olds. Not because I don't believe that year 11s are capable of feeling love, because obviously you are, but this resonates with me because it reminds me of relationships I've had, in which I've broken up with the person, or they've broken up with me, or the relationship has gone. So the resonance I'm getting is thinking about fights that went on for years, and in the end you're just like, I'll just go all why? And because you guys haven't had the life experiences that someone in their 30s had, I'm always interested to, well, interested to have a thought experiment about the resonance that you guys can get from it. Because I know the resonance I'm getting is totally different. But we've got, moving on from uh, my sad love life of uh, years ago, quote unquote, my tedious riddles. Let's look at standard three. We've got this juxtaposition again in the smile. Smiling, it's happy, it's cold, but it's also casual. It's like you just sort of casually smile at someone. The oxymoron, strength to die. Well, you need strength to live, but it's just still presented in this really casual way. Not strength to, you know, struggle to get your last breath out. Strength to die. Neutrality, but it's a horrifying image. Imagine if there was a little animal that was barely clinging on to life. It's strong, it's evocative, but it's presented in this really matter-of-fact tone. But we've got the ominous as well. The idea that maybe there were warning signs. The bird a wing, literally a bird in flight, could be his trust that's flying away, could be his hope that's flying away. Because it was ominous, we knew that it was coming. Got the ellipsis straight after. This isn't finished. This is a cyclical poem and it's not finished for this man at all. Even though, as we'll see in the last stanza, he's gone from just this bleak sadness to more anger doesn't break this level monotone line almost like a f if you think of a heart monitor like beep 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 the flat line where someone does pass away it doesn't break it even the rings with wrong the alliteration showing the urgency shows how he's been put through it. Like he's been put through the ringer or he's been wringing his hands. This tension, this like discomfort and contortion is just still shown in such a mild way. The God cursed son though, Finally, he's got a little bit of rage. The sun that was just white and sitting there is just God laying down the curses. And perhaps it is that he's cursed to always remember this moment. Perhaps that he's cursed because his love has gone. It's the feeling 
things are there, but they're very cautiously hidden. If he hates society's conventions and the stiff upper lip of the Victorian era, then this is what's playing into his poem. There is so much stiff upper lip, don't show it, and at the end it cracks. I mentioned a moment ago this poem is cyclical. We stood, we stood by a pond, and then at the end, and a pond edge with winter tree with greyish leaves. Sorry, it is a circle, much like the pond. I get this image of them just like walking round this circular pond. But it's this never-ending cycle. So why have a cycle? Is it just everything he tries makes it worse? Is it every relationship ends this way? Is it inevitable? Is it his memories bringing him back? back to that moment we don't know we do know that in his later life even though this could be based somewhat autobiographically on hardy's own dodgy love life he did have a tendency to generalize to try to sum up a wider view in his works so maybe he's expressing the kind of rage sentiment that's like all women are stupid Maybe he's generalising the disappointment that the speaker feels and trying to make it universal with this cyclical thing. I still quite like it though. I do still quite like it. The first time I read this, I thought it was incredibly boring. And then I reread it and went through it for this podcast and I realised it's supposed to be that way. So it actually makes total sense. It's supposed to appear boring to hide all this beneath the surface. It's not going to make me resoundingly regret. I mean, it's not going to prevent me regretting reading Lorna Doon. Don't do it. But I am appreciating this. If you want an easy way into this, colours indicated in the poem in the title so neutral tones we're thinking ikea white gray brown cream magnolia ivory <laughs> and we've got the white the gray sort of gray ashen pale could be faded from years ago could just be washed out from this lack of enthusiasm could be death just waiting for it to end. The God cursed, if we think of it the other way rather than colours of associations, we could say with the curse it means anger, which could mean red, and this sun is like boiling and burning up in front of him. But then that's kind of bookended with the grey again. I like it. I like it. There's this one moment of colour and that's it. The rest of his life is miserable and grey and tedious. So partners, what partners can we have with this? Byron, absolutely 100% when we two parted. Nice pairing, two breakup poems, good job. Winter Swans goes really nicely as well because Winter Swans has a resolution by the end. They're holding hands. He doesn't have a resolution. Hardy is still stuck, stuck in the cycle. But Winter Swans got the pathetic fallacy and the colours as well. And this motif of the swans. You can make a point with the bird a wing and birds representing something. Something of your choice. Love's philosophy, I guess. If you had a question about natural imagery and nature, it's not the obvious pairing. But if you feel that neutral tones really resonates with you and you want to put in one that you're going to enjoy writing about, then just do it. Just go for it. Farmer's Bride, again, that's a maybe. I 
feel like the recurring image and the fact it is kind of repetitive and kind of cyclical doesn't it's not a good pairing to be honest there's the narrative in farmer's bride is very clear and the narrative here is somewhat vague again you could push it if you're desperate porphyria's lover yep right era we can talk about pathetic fallacy we can talk about feelings towards women we can talk about um struggling to die if you have a kind of a morbid <laughs> feeling uh don't touch Sonnet 29. And I'm really nervous again about mixing the romantic and the family ones. You can do it, but I wouldn't, if you really felt that this was necessary for your happiness, try Eden Rock or Letters from Yorkshire. But as I say, just try and stay away. So there you go. Good old Thomas Hardy having a fantastically miserable life, 88 years of pure misery, according to him. I mean, there must have been at least like one nice day where I don't know, we ate a really tasty sandwich or something. Nope, nope, nope. Everything is bitter, everything is terrible. So, just before the end, please don't turn off yet because I'm just gonna plug my pluggables. We have got straighttalkingenglish.wordpress com where I'm writing extended essays mostly on context in as fun and chatty a way as I can including one that's gone up about the romantics today if you're more interested in this I am also on twitter at str8 talk english if you want to hear some really really bad jokes and i'm gonna try and think of one for this poem shortly if i can i am going to be coming back fairly soon to tackle some more poems my vibe at the moment is i might do a caroline duffy double but ultimately who knows? It's my podcast and I'll see where the mood takes me. Have a lovely evening, enjoy annotating, and I hope you have a nicer time than Thomas Hardy.